Welcome back to another episode of Peter's Proffer here in the courtroom of current events. And this week we're going to do a podcast about how and why different states have such different laws when it comes to things like sovereign immunity caps on uh, the amount of money you can get if you sue um, a public agency. And we're going to talk about how state income tax is different, how minimum wage is different depending on what state you live in and what the requirements are on your car insurance. We're going to talk about what some of those differences are and why they're different. But first, I want to remind everybody that on January 18th, there's the East-West Shrine Game over at Tropicana Field in St. Pete, and we are sponsoring it this year. Um, We have a big tailgate we're putting together. We have a bunch of tickets we're giving away, so just sign up on our social media or send us an email, petertragos at greeklaw.com. If you want to come to that, our tailgate's going to start around noon, and the game starts at 3 o'clock. We're going to have food. We're going to have a DJ playing music. We're going to have tailgate games. It's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of people there, so just let us know. We're providing the tickets. We just have to put you on the list, and you just stop by our tailgate, and we'll give you those tickets. So we'd love to see you there, and hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. Okay, so today we're talking about the different laws in different states and how some people think it's very strange that even though we're all 50 states united under one flag in one country, uh, why don't all the states just have the same rules and the same laws? And we're going to talk about how that can occur in a country like ours. And at the end, we're going to talk a little bit about why it occurs. The reason we're doing this podcast, I've had some questions on social media about why are there some of these crazy laws in certain states like in Alaska you can't get drunk in a bar or in some state you can't drive blindfolded and they actually have these things written into the statutes as laws and why certain states have things like this and others don't. Um, And it also hit me, I just got back from North Carolina and when you're driving in other states you can really see how some of the laws are, are just different and you can feel some of the laws are different whether it's the maximum speed limit in a state, whether you can go right or left on a on a red light is different in, a, in a different states. And I drove through multiple states on my way there. So you're kind of able to see and feel some of that. So before we get into some of those differences, um, when you go state by state, dad, why don't you explain how in a country like America, we can have states that have such different laws on the same topic? Well, we have to remember our civics lessons. We were a bunch of states and individually, we ran our own state. To form a central government, they had to come together and everybody had to vote, okay, let's have a central government. But they wanted to make sure the central government wouldn't impinge upon their laws and their local rules. So they let the federal government have international affairs, they let them have an army, they let them control the currency, but they didn't want them to do any more than that. So if it's not specifically set out in the Constitution, all the other rules and rights belong to the states. So the federal government has the general power over the things that are enumerated and actually written in the Constitution, but if it's not specifically stated, then the states have the power. It's referred to a lot like they have a limited rule. They can only do a limited amount of work on what's going on in the country, and everything else belongs to the states. Yeah, and just to clarify on something you said when you first started this thing, we're not technically America. We are the United States of America. Right. And, and, you know, that is, you know, obviously the distinction is that we are a conglomerate of states. Right. We're individual states that come together under one union, basically. So um, when we're talking about a lot of this and, and what kind of spurned this podcast was 
driving through different states. So I want to talk about some of the the uh, laws of the road and laws of driving that um, are different from state to state. We've talked a lot on this podcast about texting and driving and how some states, uh, there's no laws against it. Other states like Florida now, it's a primary offense and you can get pulled over for just someone or a cop seeing you texting and driving. And in the past in Florida and in some other states, it was a secondary offense where you had to be doing something else in order to get a ticket for texting and driving. Interestingly enough, interstate commerce, meaning the roads themselves, are fall under the purview of the federal government. But as long as these driving laws don't affect other states or the rights of interstate travel, then those states have the right to promulgate, which is the technical term for make laws. Um, you, you said texting and driving. It's probably a, a good one. Florida, obviously, now is, as by the way, everybody, as of January 1st, uh, if you are texting and driving your car, you will be pulled over. It is now a primary offense, and they will write you a ticket for it, and you will have points on your license. Right. And another big one that most people think about as a law dealing with driving is DUIs. Um, Some states, it's not even called a DUI. It's called a DWI. Um, There's different distinctions in different states. There's some states where it is a crime, like in Florida, if you refuse to blow. In other states, it's not. They have different nuances of whether it's a ticket versus a crime or a misdemeanor versus a felony. Um, What's interesting is not every state has the same blood alcohol level in order to get a DUI. Most states have .08, but not all of them. Yeah. In fact, in the old days, it was .10. Now it's mostly 0.08, but even that trend starting to change because Utah now has reduced their minimum for a DUI to a 0.05. I don't know if you'd call it a minimum or the maximum, meaning you can be up to 0.49 and still be okay. But 0.049. Correct. You're right. right. 0.049. But once you hit 0.050, you are now considered intoxicated for purposes of driving a car. And the government kind of muddies the water because we have the 14th Amendment, which says that there has to be equal protection of the laws. And so, for instance, airlines, if you're drunk and you're a pilot, that's interstate commerce, you're flying across the state lines, the federal government rules there apply to whether or not you are drunk or intoxicated. Okay. So, and back to DUIs. Um, when, when we're talking about the zero um, tolerance level, that changes from state to state. Some states, if you're under 21, you better blow a 0.00 or you could be arrested for some kind of driving uh, while drinking law. In Florida and in some states, it goes all the way up to a 0.02. So if you're uh, 15 or 16 years old and you're driving and you blow a 0.01, you don't get any you don't get any uh, criminal action, whether it's a ticket or uh, arrested for a misdemeanor in certain states. But if you blow a 0.03, even though it's below the legal limit, because you're under 21, you could still be prosecuted for some kind of crime. But that changes from state to state, whether it's a 0.00, a 0.01, a 0.02. So that changes from state to state. Another thing that's different is in Florida and many states, there is an enhanced penalty level. So we call it in Florida twice the legal limit, even though technically it's not. It's a 0.15. If you blow over a 0.15, it's just about uh, twice the legal limit, which is a 0.08, you get enhanced penalties. So that means your punishment is going to be worse. It's going to show up worse as a, as a more enhanced crime on your um, record in the future. But in some states, uh, for instance, Massachusetts, Massachusetts, it's a 0.20. Yeah. And some states like Mississippi and Hawaii, they don't even have an enhanced penalty level. So there's not like a certain amount you can blow where you're guaranteed to have enhanced penalties and it's going to go as an enhanced crime on your on your record. So it varies from 0.15 to 0.20, depending on what state you're in. And some states may not have one at all. 
So those are some big differences when it comes to getting pulled over and getting charged and getting convicted with a DUI that depends on which state that you're in um, will will have a big effect on your record. Which really explains why there are so many or an in, uh, inordinate amount of traffic accidents in Florida because not only do we have our own uh, our own residents, but we're a huge uh, state when it comes to interstate transportation and we're a huge state when it comes to people coming and hanging out here. We call it tourism. And all of those people come from other states that have different, uh, even minutia of laws. For example, when you go on to an, uh, an on-ramp for a highway, do you yield as the person coming on or does, does the, you, do you have to yield to traffic? Here in Florida, traffic that's on the freeway has the right of way, meaning you coming onto the, the highway have to yield. In some states, it's the exact opposite, meaning if you're on the highway, you have to come over to let somebody merge onto the highway. Right. And one of the big things, especially in our business doing car accidents and personal injury work, is the minimum car insurance and the different types of car insurance that you have to have state by state. Some states have uh, personal injury protection, like Florida. We have a $10,000 minimum personal injury protection that you have to have in order to have your minimum insurance requirements to be fulfilled. Yeah, and, and frankly, Florida, and I'm embarrassed to say this, is probably the least uh, financially responsible state because all you have to have in Florida is personal injury protection, $10,000. Now, there are some other PIP states. Michigan's one of them. You have to have a million dollars in personal injury protection, meaning that you're insuring only yourself. You're not insuring anybody else. New Jersey also has a big, I think it's $75,000. There are also what we call BI states, bodily injury states. And the vast majority of states are bodily injury, meaning that you are required to carry insurance to protect the other people, not you. And those limits are normally somewhere between $15,000 and $30,000 per person. For instance, Georgia is a minimum $25,50 policy or BI state um, where you have to have at least $25,000 in BI per person, $50,000 per accident. So we do entire podcasts in the past on the difference between PIP and bodily injury. So you can listen to the different kinds of insurance, but depending on what state you're driving in, they may not be required to, to hold and carry insurance that covers you if they were to injure you in a motor vehicle accident. And that's important as you drive from state to state dealing with those differences. Um, moving a little bit away from some of the, um, uh, some of the states and the laws of the road. Let's talk about some of the hot hot button issues that are different from state to state. Dad, why don't you talk a little bit about some of the gun laws and things like that? Well, Florida has a carry concealed weapons permit law. And we did a whole podcast on that specifically, so we don't have to get into what it takes right. to get a carry concealed, but how does that differ from state to state? Well, there are 12 states that don't have any permits that you can just carry a gun if you want. And I think we can guess those are the states that traditionally have a lot of guns. You know, Montana as a percentage. Uh, a lot of states require uh, good moral character to get the permit. Florida does not require good moral character. A lot of states have a discretionary permit. Florida does not have a discretionary permit. Plus, if you have a Florida permit, that permit is good in a lot of other states because they have reciprocity with Florida. So if you have a carry concealed gun permit and you, let's say, drive to North Carolina and you have to drive through Georgia, there's a reciprocity. You can take that permit and the gun and you'll be able to drive through those states. And there's also, are there, uh, George, states that don't require any permit at all? Right, there are 12 states that don't require any permit at all. Okay, what about, so we, we've talked about um, uh, the federal laws and, and what they have control over and everybody knows about federal income tax. 
But some people don't know that, especially if you live in Florida, that there are some states that actually have their own income tax. Well, a good comparison is, is Florida to Georgia, as an example. Florida has no income tax. We are the 44th best tax state in the country. But Georgia, on the other hand, you can get taxed from 1% to 6% of your income because they have a state income tax. North Carolina has a state income tax. So the tax burdens in those states are a lot greater than they are in Florida. So it, the taxes for, from the state level, which this could be a whole podcast on its own, and we might do one on this, is you know the federal government taxes you, but then your state also has the right to tax you. Um, and when you look across the board, the states that do um, have a state tax are anywhere between 1% and 11%, depending on what state you're in and what income bracket you're in. And then you have seven states that don't have any state tax at all. We already mentioned Florida, but there's also Texas, South Dakota, Nevada, Alaska, Washington, and Wyoming who also have no state tax. So it really varies depending on what state you live in. And what's interesting is depending on what line of work you're in, if you do a certain amount of work in other states, you may be subject to their state tax on the work you do and the money you make from their state. So it's a very interesting topic that we might tackle at some point. Um, next, let's move on to minimum wage. Well, I said before we go to minimum wage, um, you also, when you said you said you may be subject to their tax, when you shop in that other state, you may be subject to their tax also. Because Well, you of, will be. You yeah, have sales tax. Other states have sales tax. And George, you want right, to... Right, and they vary. Florida sales tax is uh, 6%, I believe 6%, but the local governments, that means the cities, can add on to that 6%. Whereas in Georgia, the state sales tax is 4%, but the local governments can add up to 3% to make it a 7% tax. Right, which is interesting because you know where you shop also makes a difference on how expensive something may be, and where you work on how much of your dollar they take away from you for every dollar you earn depends on where you live. And it's weird that that's not regulated by the federal government, well, which you, is interesting. You know what you see, though, if you look at Amazon's a prime example. People who buy on Amazon, they want to know exactly what city and what county you're in because they have to charge you sales tax. Exactly. And it varies if you're in Atlanta buying from Amazon or you're in Clearwater buying from Amazon, that sales tax is going to vary. And Amazon is responsible for collecting it and for calculating it. Right, which is all part of their algorithm, I'm sure. But that's, what, did no, you have sorry, no, I was gonna... Okay, so, so getting into minimum wage, which I like it because it's kind of a hybrid on the topic, because it is federally regulated, but the states do have some leeway when making their decision as to what their minimum wage is going to be. Right, and minimum wage is actually set by the federal government. And I believe the federal requirement for minimum wage is $7.25. Yeah, $7.25. So and that, that, we'll call that a, a wage floor. Right. Because it's not actually the minimum wage because each state can pick their own minimum wage. And that's what happens. As long as the minimum wage is higher, there's no restriction at all. For example, Florida, we just went up uh, to $8.56. So obviously higher than 725. Now, there are some states, and I hate to say it, they're normally states in the deep south that have... That's not even true. The lowest minimum wage is Montana. Is $4 it? an hour oh my is gosh. their minimum how wage. Be, how can it be $4 and if you're saying the feds can do seven? Because what it is, is the non-regulated entities or non-regulated wages can be down to $4 an hour. I don't really know what they pay $4 an hour for. Maybe it's like waitresses or non-tipped employees or somebody paid... I don't even know what it is, but that's what it that's actually is listed as. Same thing with Georgia is $5.15 an hour for non-federally regulated wages. I don't know what that actually means, but most states, the the majority of states are right around seven twenty-five dollars an hour. 
Um, the highest minimum wage, you want to guess, Dad? Uh, California. Yeah, that's what I would guess. Or New York. I would <laughs> guess right. New York. But it's actually Washington State, $13.50 an hour. Uh, California is $13 an hour. New York is $11.80 an hour. Interesting that they're doing having all this talk about bumping it up to minimum, uh, $15 minimum wage when literally zero states have even tried that yet. So zero states have decided individually that they think that that's a good minimum wage number that they should do, yet we have all this talk you know, with politicians about bumping it to $15 an hour. Wouldn't you think you would see a state bump it to that first? At least one state would agree that that's necessary before the whole country puts it as the, as the minimum wage. Yeah. It's just interesting to look at that kind of landscape. Montana's not going to be on board for that, I can tell you right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. I don't think their votes really count. Um, okay, so uh, what else do we have besides uh, minimum wage? We've talked about... Um, Pete, why don't you talk a little bit about notice requirements when suing states? and sovereign immunity caps. Yeah, again, different states have different requirements. The point here in Florida, we have something called sovereign immunity. Sovereign well, immunity- hold on. First, the notice. So, so some states you have to put on notice for 60 days or 90 days or 120 days. You have to give them a period of time before you actually sue them. And each state can set those laws differently how they want to when you sue a governmental agency or a state right, agency. Right, because in Florida, we have 60 days. You have to provide, actually, no, it's 120 days, excuse me, notice to the state if you intend to file a lawsuit or a claim like against, against the county or any something. of their political subdivisions. And right. you have to notify the Department of Financial Services. I won't get you into the details. Um, really what that comes down to is the concept of sovereign immunity, that your sovereign, your state is a sovereign, meaning it has its own... Uh, political authority to render determination about who can sue them and who cannot. In Florida, we have caps, and those caps are two hundred thousand dollars or three hundred, depending. Yeah, depending, on. But, right? But so yeah, so there's caps. Certain states cap how much money they can be liable for, no matter how bad the action is that right. they take. So it's a very interesting concept to think about. In the state that you live in, they could build a bridge, just talking yep. about Florida, and it falls on your head, and theoretically they could only pay $200,000 max, even if they kill you with some kind of negligent act by the state. And they do that because technically it is your dollars that they're taxing and taking in, and you know the, the citizens of the state are the ones that are paying for this damage. So it makes some sense when you think about it. But some states, the caps go up to $500,000. And other states, there's no cap at all. So some states don't cap the uh, the amount of damages you can collect if you were to sue a governmental agency. All right. Another area is abortion. And abortion is a really classic area of the conflict between federal and state law. You've got the federal or the U.S. Supreme Court saying that in the Constitution, the federal government has the right to say that a woman's access to abortion cannot be restricted unreasonably. And that's Roe versus Wade. So they say, all right, a woman, a woman has a right to an abortion. Now, the states still maintain by their local sovereignty the right to reasonably what regulate is the reason, abortion. Right. What is the reasonable regulation, right. basically, is on a state-by-state state right. basis? Yeah. For, for instance, right now, a lot of states are passing fetal heartbeat bills saying that if there's a fetal heartbeat, that you can't have an abortion. Uh, one federal judge in, I believe it was in Kentucky, already has struck that down, saying that that violates it because you're restricting, unreasonably restricting a woman's right to an abortion. Uh, in Utah, they have a thing where a law that says 18 weeks, can't have an abortion after 18 weeks. A state judge has struck that down. Uh, but Florida, we have a requirement that the parents or guardians have to be informed 
that hasn't been struck down. So there is a situation of, you know, what is reasonable, what isn't reasonable, who decides it, is this a federal law, is this a state right? That's classic. And this is a good example of what happens if you feel like your state is infringing on your federal rights. So we talked about in the beginning about how the Constitution kind of sets out what the federal government is responsible for and what the state government can handle. And if you think that the state government is overstepping its power, you have a right to appeal that up to the federal government. And this is one of the areas that it happens in. Um, And kicking it over to some other laws, Pete, why don't you talk about the difference in uh, marijuana laws from state to state? Yeah, marijuana is obviously another hot hot topic. Um, There are three basic areas of marijuana uh, concepts right now. It's totally legal in some states. It is completely legal and frankly decriminalized in some states. And then there's a state like Florida, which is a happy medium. For example, we authorize medical marijuana. Uh, Marijuana is technically not completely decriminalized in Florida, but there are cities like the city of St. Pete, which has already gone out there and said, look, we're just not going to enforce any uh, any personal use, minor misdemeanor marijuana type crimes. you know, so other states like Colorado, it's legal up to a certain amount. Sure, let's not the, let's but, not forget the conflict here. Federal government, it is totally illegal right. everywhere, all the time. Well, so what happens when you fly to Colorado and buy yourself a bag of marijuana gummy bears and then decide to come back to Florida? Well, then you're then you're violating federal law and you could be arrested. What about for medical purposes? If you have a medical marijuana card in Florida and you go to Colorado, which is completely uh, you, still can't fly with still can't still, you still can't fly with it. You still can't fly with marijuana. Because you can't trump the federal law. It, right, right. Florida medical marijuana law does not trump the FAA. And because uh, the federal government regulates interstate travel. In right. fact, the, the Department of Justice basically has just kind of uh, had an internal policy of not enforcing those laws within a state. But the federal government could enforce a drug law like sure. marijuana in a state. In Colorado, Another problem they have. But the Colorado, the Colorado government would fight back. Right. The state government. But then you have U.S. Marshals right, going whatever, in. Yeah. But another problem you've got is the banking institutions. You've got a business doing a lot of cash business in marijuana. Do they deposit it in a federally insured bank? Sure. And is that bank violating federal laws by taking marijuana money? Th- those are things that are going to be coming up because of the complexities of the conflict between federal law and state law. Right. Yeah. And in another, in another arena now we're talking about is gambling. Right. Gambling, generally speaking, gambling is illegal in the United States, but the states have a right to authorize gambling within their boundaries and the type of gambling. For instance, you look at Las Vegas, well, that certainly isn't the same kind of gambling as you have in the Indian casinos Or Florida, Florida. bingo. And the Indian casinos in Florida, by the way, are really federal property because right. those uh, reservations are federal property. But they make a deal with the state, and Florida is a classic example. They sign a contract, they pay the state a billion dollars, whatever the number is, of their proceeds in order to keep the gambling going. Right. And, and like there are some states, which we've done a podcast on it, and we've talked about a lot, like California, where gambling is legal. There are other states where certain kinds of gambling is legal, certain kinds are not, and then there are other states where it's completely prohibited. So that's something that kind of changes and depends on what state you live in and whether or not that it's it's legal. And then you have those articles that are written about the 50 weirdest laws, one per state, where you know these crazy laws are written into the statutes and states, and you wouldn't believe that they're real laws, but they actually are. And it just goes to show that each state has its own ability to write these laws, enact these laws, and enforce these laws. But it shows that each state has different interests. Dad, do you have one of these laws you want to mention? Well, I just remember when I was an assistant state attorney, 
we used to have to prosecute people for felonies who stole citrus fruit. And why do you think that is? How powerful is the citrus industry in Florida? So they got a law passed making it a felony to steal citrus fruit. Which, we have another law that if you steal a cow, it is a felony because again, the cattle industry has a good lobby. Right. So, and again, those those are laws on a state by state level, which kind of gets us into the the conclusion of our podcast, which is why is this the way that it is? Why do these states set such different laws? Why do some of them, you know, allow marijuana, others don't? Some allow gambling, others don't. Some have felonies for stealing citrus fruits and some don't. Why is that the case? Well, it's the politics at the end of the game. And frankly, it's a good thing because the uh, the legislature of those individual states are listening to their constituents. And whether you agree with whatever law they've passed or not, there's a reason why that thing got uh, got on a ballot. It's because some group decided it was important enough to them to vote on. And let's not think that this is a recent innovation. Because why did the, again, the Constitution was written in such a way because Virginia had its own political interests it wanted to protect, and Connecticut had its own, so they're all protecting their politics. And that's what they were doing when they wrote the Constitution. Right. And you'll see red states that have laws that are angled a certain way, blue states that have laws that are angled a certain way. They're traditionally and historically like that, and they will probably continue to be like that, even though they're on opposite ends of the aisle when you look at the country as a whole. But a lot of times you can see when you look at certain states and you really dig into their laws, which ones are the big tourist states have certain laws that protect tourist attractions. When you have the major agricultural states, they'll have laws that protect that. And it really goes on a state-by-state level on what their politics are, which side of the aisle they stand on. That's what their laws are usually going to follow. And now we're seeing an election year where they have the gerrymandering, where you have, for instance, North Carolina drawing districts to favor Republicans. Yet the federal government is able to come in and tell a state, North Carolina, look, you cannot do your districts this way. They have to be balanced. So the federal government can get involved in local politics. It also makes it interesting um, when you move from one state to the next. Like when we when we look at criminals' rap sheets and what their criminal record is in Florida, sometimes even the state attorney's office can't find crimes that they've committed in other states. Um, sometimes the crime in the other state is not a crime in Florida. So does it actually count towards their um, enhanced penalties if they have a felony in another state that would be a misdemeanor in Florida or wouldn't even be criminalized in Florida. Well, that happens in extradition, too, where a state tries to extradite somebody from Florida back to Connecticut, for instance. But Florida looks at it and says, look, this isn't, this a, isn't crime even a crime in Florida. Right. So, so that that's not- kind of the weird um, dilemma that we're in with having these united states that are actually not so united on certain levels with certain laws. But it's an interesting topic. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. We had a lot of questions kind of touching around it. Um, if you're interested in the East West Shrine game, make sure you go on one of our social media accounts, post on the picture, how many tickets you want. We'd love to see you there. We're having a big tailgate. We're blowing it out. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, if not, we'll talk to you guys next time.